This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to the RuPaul's Drag Race Recap Show for Season 6, Episode 8, titled Drag Queens of Comedy. My name is Joe Batanz, and I am joined, as always, by one anchovy co-host. I don't, from, I don't know what that means. From the pod... I was tired when I wrote this. From the podcast pod is my co-pilot. Please say... To Taylor... <laughs> The Latte Boy. Hello, you. Hello, Taylor the Latte Boy. You look so good today. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> I mean, thank you. That's so kind of you. I want everybody to know this is Taylor the Latte Boy. Okay. Whenever, whenever my camera isn't working, he's like, well, you need to restart your computer because I need to look at you. I need to see what you're doing. Like, as if I'm like passing notes in school or something. <laughs> So I have to read, it takes like, with my computer at least, it takes like, I'm not even joking, like 15 to 20 minutes for it to be completely rebooted and everything. Mm-hmm. Ta- Taylor's isn't, I don't care. I don't, what, do I, what am I going to see, Taylor? Because I think, I feel like there needs to be that connection in order for us to see each other and to fully experience talking about this wonderful show called RuPaul's Drag Race. I need to be able to see you and you need to be able to see me. Plus, I just got a haircut and I think it looks cute and I wanted your compliments on it. Hmm. Well, do you feel the connection right now? I do. Yeah. See, look, and and I feel completely fine. I want to feel like I am not being looked at. Okay. So so if you can't see yourself in the mirror or in the the video. Oh, I avoid any kind of house of mirrors. Uh, I would never go to the Palace of Versailles. I don't go anywhere where there's mirrors. I don't walk by a still body of water. I don't like mirrors. So if you can't look at yourself, how in the hell is anybody else supposed to look at you? <laughs> exactly. Precisely. So now, I have a question. Go ahead. Oh, sure, sorry. go ahead. If, go no, with your question, no, then I have a question. No, no, I'm done. Go ahead. Okay. Growing up, yeah. did you watch a lot of Spanish-speaking television? I never watched any. The closest I came to watching Spanish-speaking television was when Ricky would yell at Lucy and I love Lucy. Oh, okay. Because I had a question about something that I saw last week that I meant to ask you about and yeah. then we got talking about other stuff. So What is it though? It was a it looks like it was some sort of variety show that was in the late seventies with this woman named Edie Chacron. Edie Chacon? I don't know. Oh, okay. Well Babalu was apparently somebody linked it on one of his Facebook pages and it looks crazy. It looks like Carol Burnett show if everybody did mountains of cocaine before the Carol Burnett show actually started, where it was just all this crazy dancing and and everything. And it, the, the, the logo and the font and everything was very 1980s, like eyewitness news kind of. <laughs> it was it was very funny to watch. But I just wasn't sure if that was something that because he said everybody in Miami watched it when he was a kid. Mm-hmm. So and I said, well, was this national or was this something based out of Miami? And he said, no, it was something that was based out of somewhere in in. 
I don't know where. But so I wondered if maybe you growing up as as a young Mexican boy, if that was something that you watched. No, we were li- listen to my accent. Do, do, does it sound like someone who watched uh, Spanish TV? Okay, but Babalu doesn't have an accent, but he watched mm. Spanish TV. Babalu does not have a Spanish accent. Babalu mm. only has a Spanish accent when he's yelling at me, and it's he in Spanish. has a regional Cuban accent. Okay. You occasionally say things in Spanish, and you say, you don't sound no, like no, a no. gringo. What I'm talking about is like he like there's a, a regional Los Angeles Mexican accent. I would say my the degree of the accent is stronger in my cousin, you know, than it is in Babalu. Right. But he like if if my cousin is like a seven or mm-hmm. six, Babalu is like a two or a three. Okay. But he has like that when you meet people from Miami who are Cuban, like they speak English perfectly fine, but they just have that sort of like regional accent that is unique to people of Cuban descent from Florida. You know, Marco Rubio has like a one or two as well. Okay. Well, I try not to listen when Marco Rubio talks, so that might be. Uh, He is your senator. He, uh, yeah, well, that's mm, technically someone's our president too, but. Yeah, I see we're really lucky here in California. We have an amazing governor, amazing senators. We have an ama- we have a we have one really good senator. <laughs> we have Who's Bill that? Nelson. Bill Nelson. He's he's oh. been around for a long time and he looks like he looks like somebody that would have been on the Waltons, but he's he's very very good. But yeah. I think I've told you this before. I don't know if I mentioned this on the show. I have I've had a friend for years from Orlando and when I met him, he was like this skinny little twerpy twinkie boy mm-hmm. right and he was just dating this guy that i knew when i went to go visit them a couple of times in florida and he's since like bulked up is this like ripped gay guy now and is like super successful at his business has since broken up with my friend but actually i'm not even friends with that guy anymore i'm friends now with this, this guy carlos mm-hmm. and um I, I think i told you before he's like the gay mayor of, of orlando i feel right? yes you have mentioned that before and he is promote he loves because now he's getting more and more wrapped up in Orlando politics. Yeah. Do you know this mayor of Orlando? No. Oh, he is so into this mayor of Orlando. Well, I will say his partner, his basically their husbands, I don't think they're married though, is the... Who, your friend or the mayor has a husband? No, my friend. Oh, okay. his, My friend's like basically husband, common-law husband, is like the comptroller of Orlando... Or like some chief big financial bigwig, right? So like he's super involved in Orlando politics. But I wanted, I wanted to know that you asked a good question. I want to know, is the mayor gay? Like, why is my friend so wrapped up in the mayor? Is the mayor cute? An old man. Oh, well, okay. But oh, there could be old, cute men. I, mean, I, I never said, I a, never, I never said is, he wasn't. <laughs> I know that is a concept that is very foreign to you, putting cute and old together. Okay. I mean, can you, can you come up with a, somebody, that is over the age of 50 that you find attractive. Rob Lowe. Okay, Rob Lowe doesn't... Okay, technically he does count because he's over 50. But he still looks like he's like... He's still got that baby face. Okay. Anybody else? John Stamos. <laughs> I'm catching a theme here. So, who else? That's, I can't think of anybody else. Do you find Matthew Broderick attractive? As you know, I've been to a dinner with Matthew Broderick, and so I know what he looks like in person. Uh, I look okay. 
So, as I've discussed on my other show, I was at a dinner party with Matthew Broderick. And I've had, actually because of my friend from Orlando, too, I've had the unique opportunity for a few times to be at a dinner with people to whom I've masturbated when I was, like, 12. Okay? Matthew Broderick. I masturbated to Matthew Broderick. I thought he was so hot when I was At the party? At the party. (laughs) He was like, what's dumping under the table? And I was like... (laughs) Whoops, sorry. Ferris Bueller's jack off. And then uh, also uh, my gay mayor of Orlando friend is like really good friends with the actor, like really good friends. Chad Allen. Oh, you've told me about this before. Yeah. And we went, went to dinner with him. I was like, I used to so masturbate to Chad Allen when I was like, you know, 11 or 12. And even before that, because, you know, he'd always be on TV as, like, the jerky boyfriend or whatever. Mm-hmm. I used to always, like, like think he was dreamy before I even knew what masturbating was. I had, like, a big... I would, like, when my mom was at the supermarket, be reading Teen Beat magazine just so I could look at pictures of him. You know? Okay. And so to sit at a dinner table with him at an intimate, di- at an intimate dinner is, like, very strange. It's very, very weird. Did you tell him you used to masturbate to him as a child? No, no. I, I told neither him nor Matthew Broderick that. And um, I feel there was somebody else. Well, I'll tell you what. I'll I'll, say, I'll even say that. I don't know if it was, you don't even know this story. This is a weird, bizarre set of circumstances here. Is And I don't want to get into the whole... There's such an interesting, long story, but it would take so much backstory. But... This week, Ben and Darian continue. <laughs> no, this, don't interrupt this story. It's a good story. I know. I'm just kidding. And it, this is, this is, a, this is a, a, a thing here. Okay. I'm trying to find a way to tell this without giving too much backstory. I had to drive my – when I was much younger, my friend Mercedes had a boyfriend. My friend Mercedes was in Florida for the new year. And as a Christmas present, her boss was going to flout her boyfriend – to Florida to be with Mercedes. Okay. Okay. And so I drove, I was going to drive him to the airport. I lived by the airport in Orange County at the time. And, uh, so it was an early morning flight. So he spent the night at my apartment. Okay. Okay. So the night before we decided to go rent a movie. Okay. And we rented the movie. I don't know if you've ever seen it. Chuck and Buck. I've seen bits and pieces of it. I know what it's, I know kind of what it's about, but okay. Sorry. And it was so weird. The movie was so weird when we watched it. I'd never seen a movie like that before. Uh, for those of you that don't know, Chuck and Buck is a movie with Mike White in it. Mike White plays Buck, who has a, he and his childhood friend used to mess around when they were kids, a Chuck. And now he, now they're older and he has like a, a, a creepy obsession with his friend. Would you agree that's a sort of a fair assessment? Yeah. Okay. And I got feelings during this movie. There are parts where I got some weird, as you would say, I had to put on the big pants or the pants got tight. I don't know what you say. Mm-hmm. Here's where it gets creepy. My friend Chris plays Chuck. Oh. Now, is Chuck, is Chuck the creepy one, or Chuck is the not creepy one? The not creepy one. Okay. 
the one that's you know the the friend that he the, the straight friend who's that married doesn't understand so, yeah. why this other yes. guy is coming. Okay, yes, that's Chris. So you're watching this movie years before I meet him. I've since come to terms with this. I've told Chris all this. Now, so, so, so when you say, "Have it?" Did I tell Matthew Broderick or Chan Allen that I masturbated to them? No, but I have told Chris that like I got an erection watching in him some movie from like 15 years ago, 16 years ago. I don't know when it was. Um, and so I've since come to terms with that, and that's it, it is very right. But I didn't masturbate to Chris. Thank God, that would be so creepy. Um, and now I don't even remotely see him in that way, but, um, this is Chris and Mercedes, Chris. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. I didn't know he was in. Okay. Yeah. That's kind of not the point of the story. I get that, but I didn't, yeah. I didn't put two and two together. Okay. Yeah. He, then he, and that's what I always thought was weird too, is I thought you were watching the movie with him. Like that was no. the boyfriend that was this no. is a completely different boyfriend No, that you got. Okay. No, it's completely, that's, that's what's also weird about it is I'm with Mercedes ex-boyfriend watching her future husband. On the screen, <laughs> it's so bizarre. My my life is so weird. But we don't have that much time left. We have to tell this story. Earlier this weekend, uh, I was. <laughs> I have giggled about this for three days. Go ahead. <laughs> I just had breakfast with my parents, and. Go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. Now I wish the camera did work. Um, and Taylor called me. So I, I excused myself and I went inside the house. We were sitting outside. I'm sorry. Who called you? Taylor. Okay. The person that never calls you? What are you calling me back? But I still call. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> so uh, Taylor and I, so I excused myself, went in the house. We'd been sitting by the pool. It was a nice day. So my parents are sitting by the pool. I'm in the house, and I'm talking. And then Ch- Taylor and I start chatting it up, and we start talking about All Stars One, RuPaul's Drag Race, All Stars One. Because that's all we talk about is drag race. <laughs> we just talk about old seasons, and that's a, we have no interpersonal emotional connection. At I don't even all. know where Taylor lives. Where do you live? <laughs> uh, I don't even know Taylor's real name. So, um, as I've had to bleep out the real names earlier, right? So, um, anyway. Uh, we were talking about All Stars 1, particularly All Stars 1 Untucked. And so in during that, I did the impression. I did the impression of, God, what the fuck? I still don't know her name. Tammy Brown. Tammy Tammy Brown, Brown, right? Was one of my favorite moments of All Stars, where it's an argument among all the drag queens. But Mimi, I'm first, and Shangela, I think it is, really? No, it's Mimi, I'm first, and Raven. Oh, and Raven, right? Yeah. And... But then there's like there's there's a crazy editing during that fight. But during the fight, they just cut to this moment. I would love to know the context where Tammy Brown goes like, oh! <laughs> oh! and then she also says, "Come on, Teletubby, teleport us to Mars!" Right? <laughs> and so I say that at that volume in the house. <laughs> well, first you say the Teletubby one, and then you do the uh uh. It's very important you get those in the yeah, right yeah, order. That's true. First I went. I did the Teletubby one, and then I went the, the, uh, <laughs> and then I just hear my mom, like, going, call, screaming my dad's name, knocking over chairs, and running towards the house. <laughs> 
So I think actually my dad's just had a heart attack. So I tell I'm very calm. I tell the other, could you hold on for a second? And then I put him on mute and then I run to the backyard. My mom runs to me. We almost crash into each other. I think my dad's having a heart attack. She thinks I'm having a heart attack because he heard those noises. We we all think Taylor's having a heart attack right now. Sorry. <coughs> oh shit. Oh god. Uh Oh my god, that's so funny. <laughs> because it was this long pause. Oh god, I need to take a drink. Hold on. I love that we actually heard the drink then we keep that in. Sorry. It was this long pause. Mm-hmm. And then he comes back and goes well, note to self, never make those noises again because my family just <laughs> thought I was having a heart attack. <laughs> For some reason, that tickled me. I was screaming like, just like kind of like I was. But every time I thought about that, <laughs> because while I have never met Joe's parents, I have uh-huh. a perceived image in my head from listening to Catching Up. Yeah. So it's, it was this comedic. Like, just it was. It just was very funny in my head. Literally, the last three days, every once in a while, I'll have a flash of it. And at the very least, I smile because it it the idea the idea that just made me laugh so hard. I I don't know why. I don't know why. Because I'd be very sad if you were having a heart attack, but This week, Ben and Darian <laughs> continue their cold war. <laughs> Courtney Act continues to shade Jocelyn, and Bianca and Laganja continue to antagonize each other. For this week's mini challenge, the girls take it on the chin while the main challenge requires them to tickle RuPaul's Funny bone. It's a war on the catwalk as some of the girls kill while many of them die right on stage. In the end, Bianca Del Rio was named the winner of this week's challenge while Jocelyn and Laganja were in the bottom two. In a lip sync battle for their lives, Jocelyn finally put Laganja out of her misery and sent Laganja Estranja home packing. Taylor, Name two things you liked about this episode and one thing you did not. Okay, so two things that I liked about the episode. One brief moment, one of which is going to be abundantly clear because we're going to talk about it at length. That is the the saying goodbye to Laganja Extranja. Now, one thing, though, that I did really enjoy, though, was the moment in the lip sync with the double death drop. That was probably one of my favorite moments of a lip sync of all time. Um, something I did not like. Ugh. I didn't like the mini challenge. I thought the mini challenge was dumb and felt ve- it felt very first season to me. So, and I didn't quite get why Jocelyn won it. But what about you? All right, two things I liked about the episode. Um, I really like this just this challenge in general. I think it's a great challenge. I know it, it started kind of comedy challenges, but um, to some degree. But I don't know. I really, really no. I guess the roast before in season five kind of started. But anyway, I really just like this challenge. I thought it was a fun challenge, and it was super interesting to me to hear them talk about it. Uh, another thing I liked, um, I just really thought, and I wouldn't say this. Usually, but the episode is so, so, so Laganja heavy. Like, so Laganja heavy. I mean, I had to cut it, you know? I mean, I, kind yeah. of, I had to pull clips. And it's so Laganja heavy. And I actually like that. 
I think there's a lot to talk about her. I think there's a she is a fascinating as much as you don't like her, she's a fascinating drag queen. And um as a personality, much like her drag mother, she is much more interesting of a television personality than she is of a drag queen. And I'm just fascinated by her from this show. And and I mean, she makes up the bulk of this episode and also the bulk of Untucked. And I and I don't think any minute was wasted. Uh, what I didn't like with you, I didn't like this mini challenge. And, and, and once again, do we, we very rarely like the mini challenges. And what, see, was it season eight or season nine when they got rid of the mini challenges? I feel like it was season nine, right? We had no mini challenges. Uh, if we did, we had a minimal amount of mini challenges. Yeah, like the reading challenge, like the, like there was only one or two and people were mad. Why? The mini challenges are usually stupid. Like no. they should, yeah, go ahead. I, I agree with that. This episode, could have been better had they gotten rid of the mini challenge and you could have filled it with more of the show, more of the main challenge. I want yeah. the, I want more of the main challenge. Yeah, and we'll talk about it right now. Uh, I had to divide the script up in a weird way. They just used a lot of the extra time as well to uh, continue storylines that we've already seen. So it's a lot of wasted time when you're right. I wanted to see more of the main challenge. I would agree with that. That felt I watched it. I watched it on Sunday, I think, mm-hmm. and uh, watched it with Babalu, including Untucked. So I'm sure we'll get to that later. But I watched it about 45 minutes before we started taping again, and found myself really kind of just sort of fast forwarding through stuff where I felt like, well, this. I feel like this is just rehashing stuff that we've already seen conversations that we've already had i i don't necessarily i i don't need that i i would much rather focus on the, the the main the main challenge and the runway those are those are the parts of the show that i like the most which they had no runway this week but we're still going to talk about the looks right we're going to talk about the looks but i mean normally on an episode i would much rather than have the mini challenge i would much rather have it where they focus more where they they come in they talk about the main challenge they, there's some conflict of some sign. They do the main challenge, some conflict, a mirror moment, runway, lip sync, go home. That's that's what I want my Drag Race episode to be. Mm-hmm. This week, after a completely lame and utterly boring mini challenge, RuPaul announced this week's main challenge. Now, ladies, for today's main challenge, you'll be performing... A good old-fashioned comedy show. Hashtag Drag Queens of Comedy. Each of you needs to write and perform a stand-up comedy. I put a discussion point here in the script, but, I mean, we're going to really analyze this. this. We already said we like the challenge, and we're going to analyze each bit to death, so I'm just going to move on. Um, For this episode, the show continued to explore some existing plot lines. First up. Courtney continues to patronize Jocelyn. After the previous episode's non-elimination, Courtney Act tried to make amends with a wounded Jocelyn Fox. I didn't want you to think that I was saying that you weren't deserving being in the competition. I think because I have such a big respect for you, it makes me feel bad about myself. Like, I need you to understand that, like, that, that hurt me really bad. Nothing else has hurt me since I've been in this competition than when you told me that I looked unpolished. 
if you need any help by any means. I'm just trying to offer a hand because I would like to see you do even better. No, and I appreciate you offering me help, but I just, I can't help but take it as patronizing, almost. Well, I mean, I guess it is a little bit. Later during the challenge, Courtney continued to push Jocelyn's buttons. So here's what you do, Jocelyn. You put Bianca on first, and then whoever you want to throw under the bus, you put second. <laughs> then you put me second last, and you last. That's just shady. Yesterday you were suggesting that her drag was ugly. Today you're telling her how to do a lineup. Yeah, it's not funny. You are a shady cunt. Love you, Jocelyn. I didn't put a discussion point here, but let's actually stop right here for a second. Okay. First of all, were people fucking in the beginning of that first clip you played in the background? Oh, I didn't hear. Oh, no, 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 you're right. I know what you're talking about. I heard it earlier, too, where yeah. they're like, they're getting just like, oh, uh, yeah, oh, uh, uh, yeah, oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you like that, <laughs> Oh, the cherry cola's here again? Hi, cherry yeah, cola. Hey, yeah, you like my candy? Oh. Have you been in Taylor's mouth recently? Oh. Wow, cherry cola. <laughs> That's nice to hear. All right, but what? Are, but uh, uh, Taylor, though, let me ask you this question: what What were your thoughts seeing more of this Courtney and Jocelyn sort of mess? I, the the one thing that kind of bugs me, and we've talked about the the use of music and how music kind of changes intention and that kind of stuff. The comment that Jocelyn made, as far as the well, that feels really patronizing. And and Courtney says, well, I, you're right. It, it, I guess it could be patronizing or I guess it is patronizing. That could have been taken as a revelation on Courtney's part as far as the, you're right. I said something that could be deemed offensive and I apologize. But the way they edit it down with the music, it sounds like it's, well, yeah, I'm patronizing you, of course. So in that regard. <laughs> like someone would just say that. I, I, I don't necessarily like that. But I, th- I think that. You know, I, I I I agree that Jocelyn had a right to say, look, I don't know if you were trying to do this or not, but it hurts my feelings. I look up to you. And I would hope that Courtney – I don't remember if this is addressed in uh, the reunion or not. But I know that, you know, I would hope that Courtney would have recognized how what she said and what she did might have offended Jocelyn, even if she didn't mean it with cruel intentions. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I agree. I feel that there's a lot, like I said before, I feel what we know about Courtney now is that Courtney is a decent human being who's very thoughtful and cares a lot about what other people, not think about her, but she she seems to be this person now who's kind of almost taken like how RuPaul is, but much more spiritual now and very centered emotionally. Like I actually, you know, for something that we're doing, I was watching, I was watching some old episodes of Uh. Uh, I'll do some old episodes. Of, uh, 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 and Courtney was the guest. And she was on there and she was saying some things that I thought were very emotionally mature. One of them being that she learned, one of the things that she's learned is if you stop judging other people, mm-hmm. it actually works to also help you like yourself more. And that you stop – because that same rubric that you're judging other people, you judge yourself and it makes you hate yourself. You know, so – So then why do we do this show? I know. Seriously. <laughs> I mean, it's obvious. Oh, I can't speak for you. I completely hate myself. I know. Oh, well, good. Good. Stay yeah. tuned for episode 68B of uh, Therapy with Joe. Next, Darian and Ben <laughs> continue – 
to get on each other's nerves. What do you have, Bendela? Um, I think that I'm going to go with something that's sort of more a blanket personal narrative. <laughs> Knee slapper. So, what are your thoughts on this? This is because I read some things over the week. Okay, this this again seems like a continuation of Darian going after Ben. Um, I, I'm not hearing anything because I, I watching the show again. I kind of thought, all right, well, did they really sort of continue this storyline? And other than this moment, there uh, this moment and the moment that Courtney says in the beginning, if. Ben went home, she would have screamed, no, you made the wrong decision, which kind of went nowhere. I mean, it was sort of like this comment that was made that I would, again, assume was just sort of a joke that was, you know, they made sound like it was worse. But there isn't really anything that I can think of that Ben does in this episode that is kind of going for Darian. I feel like it's all one-sided. Yes, the, so it's weird because so I read an interview with Darian uh, in the past week where she has talked about the sort of shady editing. But I think there's certain things – and I'll get to that what she said in a second. But there are okay. certain elements where I'm like, no, you said that, A. Now, here, here's the problem. is In this clip we just played right now, everyone could have laughed. We don't know. You know, they could have been – it could, and I think that's sort of Darian's point is that, is that the – the workroom was much more taking the piss and everyone was sort of in on it, which makes sense because it's actually a very nice crew and they seem to be sort of like razzing. They seem to be in on it when they're listening, which would make them, if they were really seriously fighting, would make the other drag queens into total bitches, you know? Right. So it seems to be like that's sort of the tone, but then they added it to make it seem like there's this really serious fight. She Darian does get some cunty, and it seems that Darian goes specifically after Ben a lot. I think Darian does address that, but one of the things, you know, because then you can't hide the confessional. And one of the things that Darian says is, look, I realize I'm there to make great television, and if the producers ask you a question, like, what did you think here, what did you think there, I'm going to answer the question. And so she said, it's not like I'm just bringing it up spontaneously, but the producers might say, well, what did you think when Barian, when Barian, what did you think when, I almost said it again. What did you think when Darian said, or no, they're asking Darian. Thank you. What did you think when Ben was saying blah, blah, blah. And then Darian gives her honest answer because they're asking her and she wants to make great television. So. Right. uh, I don't know. I well, haven't you said that they've been kind of that they they've never really gotten along since the season was over? Like, like a lot of times when you see the fighting between certain queens at the reunion, they talk about over the course of the year that they had contacted each other and everything is fine, and they recognize that it's just television, blah blah blah. But if I understand correctly from everything you said, Ben and Darian have never really gotten to a place where they are friendly to each other. Is that? Accurate or I don't know. I don't know if I have that information. Oh, I know you said that Ben and Bianca don't like Bianca goes after Ben all the time. Bianca goes after Ben a lot. I think even on her uh, What's the Tea episode with RuPaul, I think she goes after Ben. Okay, which is funny because you don't see that on the show. Yeah, no. If anything, like you know, she seems like she laughs at a lot of Ben's jokes, and it seems very it seems very cordial. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. Well, I'll have to do some research into that. 
Uh, okay, finally, Trinity K. Bonet continued to be plagued by self-doubt. I know what you're capable of. In the last challenge, your comedy came out. But it's interesting that almost by habit, you shut down. I don't know, it's just almost something I can't control. You just, you are who you are. I know that there's a block there, and so that's for you to unlock. Don't let the moment pass you by. All right, Trinity, I'm counting on you. Who is counting on me to deliver something that he know damn well I can't do. Later during the judges' critiques, RuPaul gave Trinity the redemption Trinity had been waiting for. Trinity K. Bonet. Girl, you did us proud tonight. So, Trinity, I'm going to try to say this without getting emotional. She's so funny. I'm so proud of you. I know. Based on what you've done in this competition before, there seems to be a certain defeated energy that I've seen. And I do the same thing myself. And I have to... I have to talk myself off that ledge. What you've done is you have overcome your saboteur. And I'm so proud to see it. I'm so proud to see it. She has the worst fake I know, I know. I, I want to change my answer for the thing I liked least about this episode because I realized that as we started talking about storylines. It's so... Okay, first of all, if we are seeing growth in a contestant... Let's make it all about RuPaul. <laughs> I'm going to try to talk about this without getting emotional. I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud. And then everybody claps, which it doesn't feel like everybody claps for Trinity. Everybody claps for RuPaul for crying. Yeah. <laughs> it's gross. For showing it. Well, not only that, it's like I was going to go and cut this and put it in, but I was like, nah. But doesn't Trinity go home next I week? Think so. <laughs> I'm so proud of you. Cut. <laughs> Trinity K. Bonet. Now sashay. Right. <laughs> yeah, we've gotten what we need out of you for this show, bitch. Later. Yeah. Yes, we could. We you, you should have held out with that self doubt for another three or four episodes, because then yeah, bitch, if you would have yeah, you would have been insecure like a Doris <laughs> all the way to the end. You would have been in that top three. Does uh, she go home next week? Yeah. I. It's either she or Ben does. No. No, Ben goes home fifth. Oh, that is Trinity. Well, we still have Jocelyn, though. <gasps> no, but Jocelyn, we know, is in the wedding challenge. Oh, okay. Because next week next week is one of the most uncomfortable episodes. I hate next week's episode. Okay. What's next week's episode? Next week's episode is the interview with Cher's mom. <gasps> oh, that one's bad. That one's real. That one's just like the whole time you're just like with your head down like, oh, God, they ask these really horrible questions or they don't know what they're doing. And it's. Yeah, yeah. But it also is uncomfortable because well, we're, we're recapping next episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because Chaz is on it, too. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, okay, well, now it's time for the looks. All right. So, first up this week, we have Darian Lake. And Darian is in a, I don't know what the hell you'd call it, a, a flowy, dark gray with big sequins on it and Winona Judd hair. So, uh, again, this look looks like something that she could get off the rack at a big girl store. And I'm not impressed, so I give this look a boot. How about you? I give it a boot, too. It looks like, because of the background that they have on it and everything, mm -hmm. like like a, a Halloween costume called, like, you know, Fat Witch or something. <laughs> <laughs> like, it, it's just, it looks very 
Halloween costume at Party City. I'm, sure, that, that she, I'm sure she's listed as Fat Witch in at least a couple of people's iPhones contacts. <laughs> ben Delacreme being one of them. Right. But, uh, yeah. Uh, and that weird pose she's doing, it's, uh, yeah, it's a big boot. I don't like it. All right. So next up, we have Courtney Act, who is dressed kind of like a drum majorette. Uh, with a with a cheetah print bustier in the front, and then she has on a little lacy black uh, mini skirt and a and a short mini cape. I don't get this look. I don't get what she was trying to accomplish with it. I, it's not it's not one of my favorite looks from her. It's a very forgettable look. I also give this look a boot. How about you? Yeah, I think it's very forgettable. The weird cape. Um. It's a bad look. <laughs> okay, I'm trying to do the song. She shouldn't have worn it. Um, that's all yeah. I can think of. Okay. All right. So next up, we have Adore Delano, who is in a, I don't know what the hell you'd call this. It's kind of like a teal and navy blue mini with a tube top. And then she extends everything with red and she has a little tiny sombrero on her head. Um. I actually like the color combination on this. I like teal and red together. I guess it's my youth growing up in Kmart's in South Jersey. Mm-hmm. Um, but And I like the little sombrero on the head. It's fun. And it kind of speaks to her Mexican heritage. Um, the look is just kind of okay, though. I mean, the, the outfit. I'm, uh, the more I look at it, I'm probably going to give it a boot. Not one of my favorite looks, but it's not the worst look of the night. We'll get to that momentarily. What do you think? Yeah, it's a boot. She always looks like really cheap, and I don't like it. And, and I mean, I guess the little hat's kind of funny, but it seems also so played. You know, the little hat. Yeah. Uh, boot. Uh, it's whatever. Okay. Cheap is a very way to describe her looks. A lot of her looks are, very, unlike last week that I thought she looked really great, that look did not look cheap. That looked looked like she spent some money on it. Whereas this, you're right, this looks like something she would have got at Rave Girl for about 30 bucks total outfit mm-hmm. all right next up we have ben de la creme who is wearing a red poofy dress everything's all red she's got the big red bow which kind of almost looks like devil ears kind of gives that that you know of where like the sexy pinup girl devil from like the 60s cigarette ads or like Roseanne I, and she devil does she wear a dress like this though no i just want to mention Roseanne. okay uh, uh, do you love she devil i haven't ever seen it what you've never seen she devil no. oh god it's it's such a great horrible movie so but but i love this look i think it speaks very much to who ben de, de la creme is it's a basic look but i think she looks really pretty i love the way her hair is all done up and i love the bow and it just speaks to who this character that ben de la creme is so this is this is a this is a toot for me Mother fence here. I guess I like it. I'm looking at the whole thing here. I, I hate that they're all doing because it's a comedy challenge wacky photos. So she's doing like a wacky look. Uh I'll give it a two. Okay. You're right. It's strong. All right. So next up we have Laganja Estranja, who And you're gonna give it a two. I'm gonna give it a total toot. Um she looks ridiculous. She's wearing a little tutu. And she has on clear stripper heels and some, like, weird jeweled bustier that doesn't match and a big, thick yellow belt. And she is wearing a wig that – I don't even know what the hell you'd call this wig. It's like a big – it looks like a Muppet died on her head. It's it's horrible. Um, 
I will say this about her look, and particularly more about her uh, lip sync. Her legs look great in this. That is the mm-hmm. one thing that if there is one redeeming thing I can say about this is Laganja has great legs, and this outfit accentuates that, but the rest of it is a huge, huge mess. She she says at one point during Untucked, I look ridiculous in this, and I kind of wish they flashed to somebody kind of going, mm, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> see, you would think that's funnier if you could see me, but because my video is not up, you you lost the, the computer. Well. <laughs> um anyway, I give this I give this look a toot. Oh, you do? Okay. No, a boot, I thought you would. No, it's already in the records. No, no, that no, Taylor boot, gave this God look damn a it. It's a boot. So I don't agree with your toot, Taylor. I would say this look <laughs> is a mess. Uh, I think she was, again, almost like what everyone was doing with the photos. She's going for wacky. It's a comedy challenge, so why not be wacky? You know? Mm-hmm. And... Of course, it is wacky, but that's not a good look. And it's wacky and not and not funny wacky. It's just tacky. Yeah. So. So you give boot. it a two too. I know I give it a boot. Not like I'm not like you. I I didn't like this look. All right. So next we have Trinity K Bonet, who is wearing a uh, a Chinese inspired Asian inspired dress with a short haircut and little black gloves. I love this look. This is one of my favorite Trinity looks. As much as I love the dice look last week, this might almost be the look that I think of most when I think about Trinity. And uh, I give this look a huge toot. Yeah, I like it. It might be my favorite look of the night, actually. It looks really good. The wig looks good. Everything works. And I'm a fan. A big toot from Joe. All right. And her mouth is closed. And her mouth is closed. That's right. So next we have Jocelyn Fox who is wearing a, I don't know what the hell this is. It's a dress that's kind of a nude bodysuit, but it also has this Harlequin type pattern on it. And it goes into little, like, I don't know what the hell you would call the things hanging off of her. It's, it's not a good look. It doesn't look, it's not form fitting. If anything, it actually makes her look thick. Mm -hmm. Um, Looking at the picture that we have, I guess, because it just, it's a very heavy look for her. And just not, and then she, the 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 necklace around her neck was way too big for for the look. It just kind of speaks to everything they've been saying about her for the entire season, as far as her looks. It is not a polished look, so I give this look a toot, a boot. God damn it, a boot. So you gave that a toot. I didn't like this outfit, Taylor. Uh, she's from Massachusetts. I don't know where she's from originally, but they put Massachusetts on the show. And but I feel it's something like very like cheap Jersey Shore housewife about her aesthetic. And well, yeah, well that's that northeast. That's that northeast area. That's all kind of the same thing. Okay, because that's what it looks like. It looks like the. It looks like what Lorraine Bracco would have bought with her money from Goodfellas. Okay, I could see that. I could see. That. I love Lorraine Bracco. Lorraine Bracco was batshit crazy, but she is fun to watch. Um, it's a, it, now, unlike you, it's a boot for me, Taylor. <laughs> I hate you so much. Okay, and we also have finally we have Bianca Del Rio in a very '60s mod pattern, uh, floor length dress, sleeveless, and she has a red kind of. She has a red updo. I guess I don't know if you would call it that, but just sort of everything about her is very '60s, very laughing. Um, makeup looks great. And I I liked this look just because of for the challenge. I thought it worked for the challenge. So I would give this look a toot. 
not a boot, a toot, <clears throat> meaning I liked the look. How about you? I like the look, too. I think not the best look of the night. I think I still want to give it to Trinity. But uh, it's a good look. I, I feel like, again, we are, we've always seen the silhouette from Bianca. Well, but we didn't see that silhouette last week. We talked specifically about that it wasn't the same silhouette. That's true. Well, we've seen the silhouette before many times. and But I still like it. It works for her. She knows what works for her, and she uses it. So toot for me. All right. Well, that is the looks for this week. Hooray. Hooray. Okay. Closing that. And now it's time for the Wacky Comedy Show. <laughs> first up, first taking uh, the bullet, so to speak, in comedy speak, we have Miss Darian Lake. My name is Miss Darian Lake. I like to say Miss because it lets the boys know I'm single. You know? <laughs> of course, my 14 cats and my appearance on Hoarders, Buried Alive, might also let them know I'm single. <laughs> I asked my mother, I'm like, Mom, how did I end up so twisted? Like, did you, like, drop me on my head when I was a baby? She was like, Honey, you have to be held to be dropped. <laughs> Here representing all the big and curvy girls. Hey. I'm trying to get in shape. I mean, well, round is a shape, you yes, know? Yes, yes. At the gym, I'm like a ninja. You will never see me there. <laughs> I know we got some old people here in the audience tonight. Yes, how y'all doing? Yeah, did you guys all come together on the ark? <laughs> Tell Noah I said hello. All right, Taylor, your thoughts on, first up, Darian Lake. I thought that she was good. I, th I thought that the jokes, the way her pacing of the comedy was pretty funny, um, was well done. She, she paused for laughter, that kind of stuff. Um, the jokes, some of them felt very old, like she yeah. kind of got them from someplace else before. Yeah, it seems like, because she does a lot of hosting, I'm sure she's told a lot of these jokes before in her hosting. Okay. So, well, I meant that she had gotten them from someplace else. Oh, like okay. a joke book. Yeah, like a joke book. Like, you know, I, I'm trying to get in shape. Well, round is a shape. Or the gym one with the ninja. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I thought that, you know, it's very hard to go first in a stand-up show. Mm-hmm. That's the toughest position. That's why they taking the bullet. And you have to warm the audience up. And I think you couldn't have done better than Darian at this position. In fact, I would even say, well, if we don't revisit this, Darian should have probably won the challenge. Really? Mm-hmm. Darian... she went first? She went first. She was very strong, and it was a tough position to be in, and she did well despite going first. And I think that part of it is also she – and this isn't something we normally talk about as far as Darian goes, but she seemed very personable. She seemed very friendly. She seemed like people could warm up to immediately. You know, if you had some of the other queens, it would have been that would have been a little bit more severe. They wouldn't have – the audience wouldn't have known what to do with her. But there was, there was a, a safety in her that I think let the audience know that they were in for a good time with comedy. Yeah, I think she did a stellar job. Let's give her a rating. How many uh, thumbs up out of ten would you give her? I would give her... How many lipsticks? Let's change it. How many lipsticks? lipsticks? I would give her eight lipsticks. I, okay, let me ask you this. Am I judging her compared to the other girls, or is this uh, all comics? 
the all comics of all time. <laughs> in fact, he's like a four. But of the other girls, who of the other girl? Okay, among the girls, um, okay, I'll go with the eight. Okay, I'll go with the eight. All right, next up, Courtney Act. As you may have all gathered from my accent, I am from Idaho. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm from Australia. Land of kangaroos, land of Olivia Newton-John, and throw another shrimp on the barbie. Yeah. Well, what if I don't want (laughs) shrimp thrown on me? (laughs) I want to look fishy, not smell fishy. (laughs) So um, I, uh, I moved to America recently. I moved to West Hollywood. And I've written a little bit of a song about some of the people that I've met there, and, uh, and I'd like to sing it for you now. <clears throat> They'll take you down with just one look. They hunt in packs. They don't read books. Injectable tans and no tattoos. Too young for Botox. Got nothing to lose. They're the mean gays. They live in West Hollywood. They're the mean gays. Well, they would if they could. I'm a mean gay. Well, you would if you could. I might look nice, but do think twice before you take me on. Hey, the latte boy, Courtney Act. Um, the song took too long to get to a place where it was funny. Uh, the the joke, the Idaho joke, you could kind of see that one coming a mile away. Uh, just not not that great. What do you think? Yeah, it wasn't very good, and I don't like music when comedians burst into song. I can't think of a time that ever made me laugh. I don't care how famous the comedian is. Where they just burst into song? Yeah. That's, it, it, it could have. She's lucky that there was the, 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 the punchline in that because it was going too long. And it, fe- it felt awkward to watch it at home. I can't imagine sitting in the audience and watching her go through that. Yeah, because even when they do a song like on the Oscars, they open with the song. He does, it, you know, like, like the Oscars host isn't talking and then just burst into song. Right. Like when Billy Crystal used to do the... It's Oscar time. Yeah, it's yeah. Oscar time. So, I, I yeah, no, not. And, uh, what was the whole, yeah, with RuPaul in the middle? I don't know. There's a lot of weird, you know, as you listen to this, I've listened to this several times. You will hear random shit in the background. Yeah. Like, during Darian's thing, when she's all like, when she talks about being round and curvy or something, they're big girls. I don't know what she says. Yeah. And RuPaul's like, yeah. I'm like, bitch, what are you yeah, talking about? And Santino, about? that's right. That's right. Okay. Yeah. And you're like, you are both so skinny. <laughs> right. What are you talking about? All right. Next up. Oh, oh wait, how many, how many lipsticks? Lip, lipsticks? Lip, lipsticks? Ooh. <laughs> A pair to the other girls. Four. Oh, I, I would say three. Okay. Here we go. Next up, Adore Delano. Mm-hmm. You're probably wondering why I look like a Mexican Katy Perry right now, aren't you? My mother is a chola. Do you guys know what a chola is? Can I get a a show of hands? Yeah, we're in L.A., motherfucker. Yeah. My mom's a chola, and she likes big cock. Okay. No, yeah. I was really scared when I heard that senior citizens were going to be in the fucking audience tonight, okay? Just blame my fucking grandma because she likes to go to TJ and get work done so I never grasp the concept to respect my elders. The bitch never ages. She's a fake ass and a fake hip, and I'm pretty sure the ass came first and broke the hip, so I don't know what the hell she's doing. But anyways, my grandma's a whore. (laughs) No? Okay, cool. It's my first time, people. (laughs) You guys having fun? Yeah. I'll mow your lawns later. Taylor. 
the last joke was the funniest thing of the whole the whole thing. It was it it, it was just awful. <laughs> it was awful. Just screaming, "My mom's a whore. My grandmother's a whore. They love big black cock, or they love big cock." I don't know why I just said black, but they they love cock. It's it's not funny at all. It's it's just it it just came off as super super nervous. Like I said, I've listened to these several times already, and if you actually listen to it. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Like, the logic of what she's saying and the connections she's making make no sense. There's a part where she says, like, she goes from there are old people in the audience to she has a grandma who doesn't look old. She hasn't aged because she had a lot of plastic surgery, so she didn't respect her elders. But then the grandma went to Mexico and she's a whore? Like... Like literally, listen to it again, and it makes every statement. It's like if she say, it's like she's just saying words. Yeah, you know, but the words just don't make any sense together. It's really, really strange. Like I almost, I already closed it, but I'd almost want to play it again. Just to, not the whole thing, just like the second half, where you could be like, she's not making any sense. Well, and then when she makes the comment of my grandmother's, what I'm saying is my grandma's a whore, and then goes, oh no, no, okay. And she's surprised it didn't work. Right. Uh, Speaking of grandmothers. mm Mm-hmm. Okay. What is with the crazy old lady with the knit cap on and no teeth in her mouth that it just looks like she has no idea where she is through the entire thing? I feel there's a lot of plants in this audience. Like, a lot of people that they planted uh, to mix it up. Because if you actually look, there's not even all old people there. There's some young people in the audience. Oh, there is, yeah, but I don't think they ever said it's going to be nothing but. She said, he said, I've invited some oh, a senior community center to the show, but there, it just seems like when they keep going back to this one woman who has no teeth in her head, and she looks kind of like the crazy mom on Roseanne, <laughs> but, you know, but off her meds, and I, it's it's got to be distracting. Do you also think that... I mean, I'm assuming that their their sets were longer. Yes, for sure they were longer, but not much because the right time it was probably only three minutes. Okay, and then about how long are each of these uh, clips? Well, about one minute. Okay, so do you think that they took the best of everybody, or do you think there's some that they only took the worst? I think there's some that they showed the whole thing. There's some. I think they did like two because there are some that have a little bit longer than a minute, like maybe a minute and a half, and you can tell there's not a lot of places that they could have cut. Okay. Uh, so I think they're probably doing two. It 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 takes a lot of work to even write five minutes of stand up. Mm-hmm. It's so to have them come up with two m- makes more sense. I think they probably were doing two to three minutes. All right. So, how many lipsticks? Three. Two. Yeah. Maybe even two. I think I'm gonna agree with you. I'm gonna go with two. I'm gonna go with All two. Right. All right, next up, Ben De La Creme. Oh, do we have to listen to this one? My name is Ben De La Creme. Hold for applause. Okay. And um, I'm delighted to be here with a live audience. I love it when there's people just right in front of me, and I could feel like I could just reach right out and touch you if I wanted to. I don't want to. Don't worry about that. But I feel like I could if I wanted to, which is a great option to have. Um, I'm far away from my hometown of Seattle, Washington. It's the city that never dries. But, you know, it's, it's rain is not so bad. It is a moist area. But... 
It's my moist area, and I love it. A lot of people come there. You just need to wear the right protection, you know? There's a lot of stereotypes about Seattleites, but they're really just regular folk, extremely regular folk, you know, caffeine, <laughs> all in line for the restroom. We love a good rest. But, uh, um, but I digress. The point is, I feel like I've learned to, to sort of weave a, a story, bring somebody on an arc that really ends somewhere where they feel like the whole thing's been, been meaningful and they're going to wind up with, with something that made the whole thing worthwhile. So tell us a joke. Um, good night, everybody. Thoughts on Ben Cram Taylor? I hate that. You hate what? I, I, I hate that she gets heckled. I get why she got heckled, but the fact that somebody heckled her is – it makes do you me think, sad for her. Do you think that they planted a heckle, heckler Absolutely. in the audience? Absolutely. They planted – I'm sure it was just one of the like the, the PAs behind the wall. <laughs> they yeah. called it. So the, the fact that it was ju- – it just was not – it, it just wasn't – and I and I get the whole thing with hecklers. You've talked about hecklers to me personally, but you've also talked with hecklers about, you know, on like catching up and stuff like that. And I get that that is an unfortunate part of comedy. It can be an unfortunate part. Sometimes it can be comedy gold, I would assume, if you get somebody that you can really fuck with that decides they're going to heckle you. But I just – she's not a comedian and clearly – and uh, I, I just – I hate it. That being said, it was a horrible set. Well, there are two kinds of hecklers. There are the kind, like this guy, who sense, who smell weakness, and they decide they're going to shout something out. And then, or they're going to try and improve the show or fix the show or something like that, right? And then there's the kind who, they're, they're, and this is the, these are actually the toughest hecklers. The kind that I just talked about are kind of the easiest hecklers to deal with, mm-hmm. because you can kind of be a dick to them. But, um, but but again, essentially, they're going to heckle as someone who they sense is weak. If you already have a command of the stage, you're not going. You're not going. I rarely got heckled. I can't even think of. I can't even remember being heckled. I, mean, I know I have been, but I, it's so whatever. Because there's the other kind, which I did experience a lot. The other kind of heckler, which is they're actually having a really good time at your show, and they just want to be part of it, and they think that's part of the show. Uh, there's somebody we know who feels that way, and so. That's a tougher heckler to deal with because they're coming from a good place, but you need them to shut the fuck up. And so yeah. it, take, it takes a skill to get them to shut up and not hurt their feelings. Because then that's the thing is the audience can turn against you if you get a little too mean. That's a, that's a skill. Um, but again, if you have a command of the stage, it's not a problem. Your thoughts on how many uh, lipsticks do you give Ben Delacreme? Oh, that's a one. That's, 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 that's a I'll give her a second lipstick because I feel sorry for her. But that doesn't feel like a right reason to give somebody a lipstick. Yeah, there weren't any jokes. I'm going to give it a one as well. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Yeah, that's a bad one. All right, next up, I'm going to have a tough time with this one. Here we go. Hey, 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 put your lighters up. Ganja's in the house. Ew. 
as you could tell from my accent, I am from Dallas, Texas. And it was not very easy growing up looking like this. Whether I was playing in my grandma's clothes or putting on a show for my well-organized, alphabetically ordered beanie babies, I was good, 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 gay. Okay. But it wasn't until I moved to Los Angeles that I discovered marijuana. I mean, I like to smoke. Y'all, I am just flying as high as your receding hairline, okay? Marijuana really does help me calm down. So, y'all, I went to Valencia, where they filmed the TV show Weeds. Now, y'all, it's very dry. It's almost kind of like your vagina. Can I get an amen? Now, y'all, I am a tree hugger because if it ain't green, huh, I'm not interested, okay? Golf clap. Taylor, your thoughts on Laganja Estrancha? I hate Laganja so much. The, the one thing that I remember you telling me a long time ago, and we, and we talked about this when we talked about the roast on one of the private shows, um, is that in order to – there are ways that she could have won that audience over to a degree had she made fun of herself. And there was no – there was just this, hey, I'm gay. I like pot. Your vagina's dry. <laughs> there, there wasn't – and she just kind of – any jokes that she tried to make was just sort of attacking the audience versus you know making fun of herself as well. So plus – and that's not even to begin to talk about the whole, okay, yes, God, yes, mama, whatever. So just horrible, horrible. What do you think? I love it in a way that cannot be measured. You know that this – Are you kidding? Well, look, not because she's actually a skilled comedian, but it is so, so bad and so off-key that – I love it. I think it's almost a work of art. You know that this, this <laughs> that this act is like beloved on Reddit. And anytime they get a chance, they've already added their little emojis to it and they put the speech, they've translated to other languages. They've done so much. They, 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 they you should see it. There's a supercut. Have you ever seen the supercut where not supercut? They do a, a re-edit where people are hysterically laughing at her doing this Act? No. Oh, it is so funny. It's just they've cut the show so that they're laughing hysterically at the jokes. Okay. I should see if I can find it. And um it is so 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 funny. And so it in terms of like the the history of the show at at how it's actually as we know, it's not the worst one here because it actually Ben didn't have any jokes. It's actually kind of attempts at jokes here. But it's just yeah. so – but you can t- – here's what it is. Ben – you can tell with Adore and Ben that they know they're bombing and they're trying to save it and they're nervous and have that flop sweat. Yes. Yeah. She is so tone deaf. She thinks she's doing rad. Like there's no pause. There's no like – I th- like she is saying it as if she's killing. Right. And it's amazing. I, I just I just about- love it. Think about if you if you look at a common theme, think about the scene in season five when with the roast where Alexis is writing jokes. And I know that they're from the same family, not Alexis, Alyssa. Alyssa is writing jokes and it's where she's sitting at the table and then she's doing the, oh, God, I can't say that. That's too funny. Oh, God, I'm so hysterical. Oh, my God. 
it seems like it's kind of a continuation of that, of where we're going to sit under the table and we're going to make all the, we're going to say things kind of to ourselves. And we just think that we are so cool for the room that we don't get how ridiculous we are. So mm-hmm. I'm kind of, kind of adding on to what you're saying here as I'm saying it, but I, I think the analogy of Adore and Ben recognizing, Oh my God, I'm dying up here where she has no clue just how horrible she is. Is I, I, I you enjoy a train wreck? I do. Is, I love a train and wreck. This is a huge. Whereas train wrecks make me cringe. So this this for you. This is like porn. Oh, I love it. I pull. I, I'm I'm gonna like when I'm done with these MP3s. I toss them. I'm gonna keep that one forever. <laughs> I love it. I, I I before we even did this season, I would go back and just watch that comedy routine. I oh. love that moment so 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 much. Like I just think it's so funny. It's so funny. I it makes me giggle and smile every time I see it. All right, next up, Trinity K. Bonet. Oh, wait a minute! Give wait a minute! How many? How many uh, lipsticks? That's why I said I was gonna have a tough time with this one. I'm just judging it for pure quality of comedy. Yes. It's a one. Yeah, it's a it's it's a one. It's a. But it's still better than Ben. Because she has the if confidence. You, if you uh, okay, all right, and there were jokes in it. Yeah. So, well, Ben technically had jokes. She just kind of said them all so fast it sounded like one sentence. Yeah, well, she was nervous. She just wanted to get. She just she hated this and wanted to get off stage. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. Here we go. Trinity K. Bonet. Okay. Get up and show me some love. Come on, get up. Show me some love. Get up. I got on all this shit, all this swag. This stuff is hot. Thank you. Thank you. This ain't easy. I'm not a comedian. So go sit down. Sit down. Sit down. Sit down. Shit. Shit. Sit down. So if you all have not already noticed, I am black. But don't be worried. You know, you don't have to hold on to your purses in your wallets. I already got them. <laughs> Growing up for me was really hard because we were really poor. We were like good times poor. It was really, really bad. And um, the only way we had the opportunity to eat was my mother would read us recipes from a cookbook. <laughs> how I got full mini nights off of the roast beef on page 27. <laughs> but a really unfortunate thing happened. My sister caught an ear infection, so she starved to death. <laughs> I really grew up a lot with my grandmother. I stayed at my grandmother's house, one, because she was just a sweet lady, and two, because she had food. <laughs> but she had this really crazy obsession with her bills, and it was the light bill in particular. Everything involved the light bill. Stop running around my house like that. You're going to run my light bill up. <laughs> Stop flushing that toilet so much. You're going to run my damn light bill up. Stop breathing so much. You're going to run my light bill up. I just feel like I can be myself and just let my hair down with all of you people. Good oh. <laughs> time. It's a party. It's a party. Yes. Okay. Tater the Latte Boy. Trinity K. Bonet. I'm just, I'm just so proud of her. I'm so proud of her. <laughs> um, I thought it was great. It was a great, it was a, it was a great set mm-hmm. considering the insecurity that we've seen with Trinity over the course of the, of the season. It definitely came from a personal place. The jokes, the, the pacing that she did with the jokes seemed pretty good. There was a couple of times that the jokes kind of, she sounded like she sort of fumbled on her words a little bit, but I get it. Um, I it's one of the top three of the night. I I think that I think she did a really good job. Um, 
compared to Darian, I would almost say that she did better than Darian. Yeah, no, she has a really, really uh, strong set. Yeah. Yeah. So how many lipsticks would you give her? Well, okay. Did you give her her lipsticks yet? No, not yet. Okay, so here's the thing. I'm gonna, I want to drop something on you. I, on an episode of Feast of Fun, I don't know who was on the episode, but somebody was on the episode, but they spilled some season six tea. And according to this season six tea, and this is coming from Feast of Fun, the show's writers wrote Trinity's jokes for her. Okay. I believe that. Those jokes are too sophisticated for someone who was saying, I don't know how to do stand-up. And I, I could see that. Yeah. Like, I don't want to get into, like, the mechanics of stand-up comedy, because that's not what this podcast is. Mm-hmm. But there are elements that feel written. Not because they just feel written. she Because she, she delivers them very well. Uh, that, and that was... Okay, go ahead. I was I was thinking that. But there are parts of the jokes that like only a person who's done stand up before would know to do that. Does that make right. sense? Yes. Like so what do you think that not only was it written but she was coached? Yes. Okay. Yes, because people who don't do have never done stand up before and have no training in stand up and they're just going for the first, and this is everybody by the way. Anyone who's ever Jerry Seinfeld when he started like you learn stand-up through trial and error and practice and practice and learning from other comics. And But when the, so the first time you ever go up and you decide you're going to do it, you, look, you're going to actually do well because all your friends are in the audience. But once you're actually in there with no friends in the audience and you fuck up, it's, it's, it sounds like a door. It sounds like Ben. It sounds like Courtney Act. It sounds like, the, like they had no help. You could tell they had zero help. Okay, What is that like? What is that? And I, I'm I'm going. I'm not, I'm not trying to read you. That's mm-hmm. not. But I mean, I'm assuming that you have had sets that have completely bombed. I actually. So I was weird. I liked bombing. Okay. I, yeah. So like for instance, when I when I used to do. So there's a place in North Hollywood called the Ha Ha Cafe. Okay. And it's one of these places that if you show up, which is a weird time to do stand up, but if you show up at 5 p.m. or something or 5.30 and you pay $5, that's what it was at the time. This is, you know, 15 years ago. And you paid $5, you got a drink and you got to do like five minutes of stand up. Okay. And the show went from like 5.30 to 7 or something. And it was the saddest. It's, it's, I told a friend, it's where dreams go to die. <laughs> And it's a sad, sad club. The owner's super sleazy. Uh, you get up. The, there's n- there's no real audience there. I get maybe some homeless people. Mm-hmm. But the only people in the audience are other comics who aren't listening to you because they're working on their set. And you are telling jokes to no one, essentially. Like, you are telling a joke and no one laughs. Okay. You're it's almost sounds like you're practicing just what it's like to stand on stage versus maybe talking in like your I I used to like it because apartment. well yeah cuz when you do it in your apartment I don't understand why even with, it, it, there's something different about doing your apartment alone but and you get you're obviously getting no laughs in fact I'd be worried if you were but <laughs> when you go to the haha though 
no one's laughing there either, but the energy, I think there's just something about the energy and you need that energy. So, uh, I would go there to work out my jokes, knowing no one was going to see me. And it was a good way to work out the kinks, work out the jokes, because when you say it out loud and then you tape it and you listen to it later, you're like, oh, you know, I, I cut out this word and cut out that word. I never really... It's weird. I wouldn't say I never bombed. So then my next real gig is... I, I got very lucky. I'm not going to do the whole history of Joe and stand-up thing. But... I did get a regular gig at Barney's Beanery in Pasadena uh, for like, I had it for like three years, I want to say, where every Monday night, without fail, I hosted their stand-up comedy night. And they had it in an upstairs room in the back that overlooked an alley and no one knew where the show was. And so, and there's a picture, I should send it to you. My friend Patrick Keene took this picture of me years ago. I would have to, at like, whenever the show started, I think it started at nine, get up in the empty room and start talking and doing stand-up. Because the way people came to the show, they would hear someone talking on a microphone. They would go and inspect, and they go like, oh, there's a comedy show happening. So my job was essentially worse than Darien Lakes. I had to fill the room up with people so that the comics who were on the show had an audience. Okay. I was almost like a carnival barker, essentially. So that was weird too. So I do know what it's like to talk to an empty room. I I do know what it's like. Um, I did have a moment, I guess, with a heckler. I used to have it taped. It's probably on. I used to be on YouTube, but I took it down. Where a guy threatened to beat the shit out of me while I was on stage. What? Yeah, I was doing a joke, and a girl was wearing a scarf. It wasn't even a good joke. It was a, I, the part that made me embarrassed and why I took it off of YouTube was because the joke was so bad. Um, I made, I don't even remember what the joke what I made was, but I made a joke about her wearing a scarf. Like, oh, why, why are you wearing a scarf? You know, like so dumb. It was so bad. And then I moved on, right? Mm-hmm. And I was wearing a shirt that had the number three on it. And the guy goes, hey, number three, why don't you shut your fucking mouth or something like that? And everyone was like, what? And then like, it was like a whole thing. I used to have it on YouTube. I don't know if I still own the actual footage. And uh, did you just unzip your pants to that story? No. <laughs> My desk is squeaky. Oh, so. Uh, <laughs> Hearing the idea of you possibly getting the shippy out of you know. makes me want to masturbate. So, yes, I just unzipped my pants. I'm sure I bombed. When I did, I used to laugh. I used to giggle. It always reminded me of this Norm MacDonald quote, which was stand-up comedy was the only, it's the only profession where – the harder you try, the more people hate you. And okay. so I would laugh that here you are on stage tr- working so hard and they just hate you. They hate you. They hate you. They hate you. They hate you. And uh, so it didn't bother me as much. It didn't bother me as much. Um, I know it bothered some people, but it didn't bother me that much. I used to uh, laugh. Because I knew, because then also I did very well. You know what used to bother me? I'll tell you what. What? And this is actually, and a lot of comics have this issue, and it speaks to our psychology. You could have an entire room of people sobbing, tears in their eyes, falling out of their chairs, laughing, but there's one person who's not, and that fucking bums you out. And you're like, they know the truth. They really know how unfunny that is. That's why they're not laughing. Everyone else is dumb. They're drunk. 
you know, they actually weren't drunk and they know how unfunny. That, that bothered me way more than bombing. Bombing is just like so, this an off night. So then did you work hard to get that person to, to crack that person? Or is that just... Yeah, and then you, so, sometimes you fail. Sometimes you don't know what's going on. Maybe they had a bad day. Maybe they yeah. don't speak English. You don't know what's going on, you know? So um, maybe you're just not funny to them. Who knows? So, uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, so... I would give her, in light of the writers, I'd still, because she had to deliver the jokes, you know? Yeah. I'll give her a seven. Seven seems fair, given that. I would have probably given her an eight until you told me that. So, but yeah, I, I, I seven, because of the way she delivered, I think that she, she was okay. All right. Next up, Jocelyn Fox. You know, I've uh, suffered from ADHD all of my life. It's a constant struggle every day. Oh, look, a rhinestone. <laughs> but I'm always getting shit, you know. Oh, you're so skinny. Why don't you just eat something? Or eat a cheeseburger, you skinny bitch. And all I want to say is, well, then give me something to eat. I'm fucking starving. So I've got a little theory going here. Ever since I've come to the show and I've met RuPaul, I have a little theory here. I'm going to run it by you. I've seen RuPaul in the workroom, out of drag. I see RuPaul here on the runway as a drag queen. Never in the same room at the same time. Both RuPaul's, same person. Pretty sure I cracked the code. Just saying. Your thoughts on Jocelyn Fox? <sighs> um, I think that the, in- much like with most of Jocelyn Fox, the intention was good. <laughs> the execution, not so much. The joke about I've seen RuPaul in one place and seen RuPaul in another... I get what she was trying to do there, but it just felt it was too clunky. Um, I, I, yeah, just just not not good. The whole I'm fucking starving. Give me, give me something. <laughs> it's just such a weird. <laughs> it is. It's not even a joke. It's just a, and I the laughter that I heard from you while she was saying that is you enjoy a train wreck, and that yeah. joke is just such a train wreck joke that it's 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 not good. So yeah, I I I, I feel bad for Jocelyn, but it's. Yeah, not, not a good set. How many lipsticks? Err, I will give that one three lipsticks, only because I feel bad for her. Yeah, that's two. That's two lipsticks for me. All right. All right, the last one, closing out the night, Bianca Del Rio. I am so excited to see the cast of Cocoon is here. <laughs> you look fabulous. <laughs> Miss... I'm over here. Bring both eyes. I'm right here. Damn. Pearl Harbor must have did you in. <laughs> and on a lighter note, I'd like to let you know about my family. My mother is from Cuba, and my dad is from Honduras, which basically means I have a large dick, no credit, and a tendency to take things that don't belong to me. <laughs> my mother insisted that we stay true to our Spanish heritage, so my first words were... Housekeeping. (laughs) I like the gentleman in the back who's sleeping. Makes me feel right at home. Can you wake that bitch up? Yeah, the one right there with the horizontal stripes. Not a good look in your third trimester, sir. All right? All I've ever heard from the judges was that we need to see more versatility. And you know what I got to say to y'all? Is that I will show you versatility when Santino wins a sewing competition and Visage wears a fucking turtleneck. You hear me? <laughs> Ain't gonna happen! Well, I got to say, I hope you 
guys had a lot of fun. And because I'm feeling extra special, I'm going to put fresh tennis balls on every walker in the place. <laughs> Jello all around. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Ah. Taylor, Bianca Del Rio. Great. It was it was it was what we expect from Bianca. Um the the pacing was great. The she made fun of herself while making fun of the audience. Um just it, it she sounds seasoned. She sounds like this was a competition this was a challenge that was made for her. She definitely has a lot of charisma. She downs like she's been on stage before. She knows what she's doing. She's very confident. No one's gonna heckle her. I feel the jokes are very, and I've, I've actually always felt this way about Bianca. They're very old, sort of, uh, Borscht Belt, uh, Catskills, old timey jokes and style of comedy, which I know she really looks up to. She's very Don Rickles. She's very Joan Rivers. And she's talked about the fact that she, she's an insult comic. You don't really hear about insult comics in that way anymore. <laughs> yeah. And so there's an old style. The jokes are kind of old. Um, also, I feel there's some sweetening of laughs. I'll tell you why. If we take them at the word that the show is full of audience, not just old people, but just a random audience, why would they be laughing at a joke about Michelle Visage and Santina Rice? People they don't know and know, they don't know what she's talking about. That, oh, that one always kind of, where she's talking about versatility and all that kind of stuff. These people have no idea who she is and what that means and... Yeah, I, I agree with you on that. That was kind of something I kind of picked up on as well. But the audience is like, ah, ha, 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 ha. why would they be laughing at that? They don't know what she's talking yeah. about. So uh, so you mean, wait a minute, you mean that the editors added or took away sound clips to pl- toy with us emotionally? Well, yes, there's, there's a lot of music to sort of like, I think, mask that. And you just and they, they really play up Rue and Santino and the judges laughing. And then there's wacky music, and and I'm sure they add a little bit of like laughter in the background too. But it's a, it would be a weird joke for the audience to laugh at. Yeah, it'd be very very strange. Uh, all right, now let's move on to the main story of tonight. There's gonna be a lot of clips in a row, but we're telling a story. It's all about one Laganja Stranja. The star of this episode was Laganja Stranja, and it all started at the beginning of the episode when Laganja wanted the adulation for her team's win in the previous challenge. Are you not going to congratulate Adora and I? Do you think that we didn't deserve to win as a team? I didn't think that you should have won. I'm sure many of my competitors felt that Adora carried me for this win, but at the end of the day, she's standing in an 80s sweater and a skirt from Forever 21. And I spent a lot of time on my look. Party. The next day in the workroom, Bianca and Laganja sniped at each other once again. Oh, course. You can roll your eyes, Mama. Okay, you know what? I'm not sure. Cho- Mama, my name is Bianca. Laganja's feeling her fantasy. Yes, dearest. Yes, Mama. Blah, blah, blah. I'm over it. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Let's roll, Mama. Later, while practicing her comedy routine, Laganja continued to draw the attention to herself and annoyed her competitors with her affected manner of speaking. Yes, girl. Oh, God. I love it. She's under the table. How y'all doing? My name is Miss Laganja Astranja, but you can call me Miss Mary Jane, Little Miss 420, or for my Latin folk in the audience, La Marijuana. I think in this competition, you have to stand out and be a bold character. 
This is the perfect challenge to showcase Laganja. Honey, I am gonna give you stoner realness. Now girl, if it ain't green, well girl, I'm not interested. Need a transition. How you doing, Dayla? Oh, I'm plugging away. How are you? Girl, I'm just trying to, you know, remember what it was like to be in a tent and just, you know, really channel that inner child. Okay. This person is not the Laganja that I know, and it's freaking me the hell out. Okay. Later, while practicing her comedy routine, Laganja continued to draw attention to herself and annoyed her competitors with her affected manner of speaking. During her critique, Laganja broke down during her tense confrontation with Michelle Visage. Next up, Laganja Estranja. Hey, hey, hey. I got zero funny from you. You do this thing, this okay, okay. I want you to strip down that affected facade that is there. And the few times that I've seen you not do that, I've started to warm up to you. Once you go into that cat group, then we lose you. Tonight wasn't a character, and I do I do talk like that, and I'm no, sorry. No, no, you talk like this. This is how you talk. I am trying tooth and nail to impress you guys. You won the challenge last week. But you know what? It didn't feel like a win, Rue, because all I could hear was my crotch is too low, my hair's off, and I feel like an amateur up here, and I feel like I can never do anything to please you, and I do love myself, and I do believe I'm a superstar, and I am fighting so hard to prove that to you, and I've given up everything in my life to be a drag queen when I'm... Breathe, breathe. We all do that Kiki voice. It's a funny voice, but you can't do that all the time. It's the same note we had for Ben de la Creme. It separates you from being human. You know, in the real world, people love me and they think I'm such a performer and they love to come and see me and I get so built up. That's the nightclub, girl. You came to this competition to go to the next level. What we're telling you is what it takes. And I'm not going to fucking steer you wrong. Meanwhile, the whole show is RuPaul steering them all wrong every single fucking week. goddamn tv show you're here because i saw something in you but you have got to learn how to own your stardom all right so let's move on after a lip sync battle laganja was asked to sashay away which led to a bizarre exit ladies i've made my decision Jocelyn Fox, Shantae, you stay. And you join the other girls. Laganja Estranja, own your star power, mama, and keep flying high. Thank you, Rue, for this incredible experience. I know that in my heart of hearts, I stay true to who I was. And I will be the first queen to actually chasse away. I came here to win, and it didn't work out in my favor, but this was definitely a journey for me. It's been filled with many ups and many downs. I'm happy I made it this far, and I can't wait to see what the future holds. Okay, so Taylor, any final thoughts on Laganja Estranja? Any final thoughts on the episode? Uh, as far as far as this episode, um, it yeah. was a... And then everything we just heard about Laganja. Yeah, it, it's, it just speaks to authenticity. It speaks to immaturity. It speaks to all of that stuff that is just not 
she she was she was trying to play a character. She was trying to play a character through the whole thing, and it fell apart. And I think when she when Michelle made the comment of "This is how you talk," we're seeing the real you. This is what we're trying to see. Even making a comment like "When you lose the affect, I start to warm up to you." That is that's a very telling statement. And the fact that Laganja couldn't hear that is is a problem. You know what's weird is watching the elimination was fine. You're like, bitch, go home, mm-hmm. right? I don't know if you felt this way, but hearing her whisper, please don't send me home, there was it was sadder. That was slightly sadder, yes. Yeah, it's sadder when you hear it and you're not looking at with that dumb wig on and you're just hearing it go, please don't send me home, please don't send me home, you know? There is a, a and this was and this was present the entire run of her competition. There's a sadness to Laganja, a deep, deep sadness to her, and I don't know what the cause of it is, but I we are going to talk about Untalked, right? Yeah, of course. Okay. I have the clips right in front of me. Okay. Well, 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 well that concludes this week's episode. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, then I'm going to save my thoughts on that because I, I agree with you. To, I agree with you, but I disagree with you at the same time. So, but, but, okay. but you have to hear some of the stuff from Untucked for me to, for what I'm saying to maybe make sense. All right. Uh, any final thoughts on the episode? I thought the episode was a strong episode as far as the conversation goes. It's a very strong goes. episode. Yeah. Um, I think that, again, Laganja, I have been very vocal of the fact that I have not liked Laganja, but to quote you speaking about some other queens in this competition, particularly Gia, she makes for good television. Um, there is also something that you may not have noticed, but if you go back and watch watch the episode, it'll make sense. You ever see like TV shows, comedy shows of where they keep going back and forth to a character and the character's hair is getting bigger or like a glass that they're holding gets bigger and bigger over. Yeah. Like, okay. If you go back and watch Laganja's weird Don Knotts bump it thing in the front, because they, fi- they obviously film multiple times and she wears the same thing. It is varying sizes over the course of the episode. And by the end, when she is at her most vulnerable, when she's talking, it is enormous. <laughs> Oh, yeah, because also they've been there for like three weeks or two or three weeks. So that means her hair has grown. Right. So her hair has grown. But she has where it looks like she has wrapped a tennis ball <laughs> in her hair and then kind of pinned it to the front. It's it's very much where the last time that they interview her um, during the confessionals, I think it's actually more on Untucked than on the regular shows. It was distracting where I was not focusing on what she was saying. I was focusing on her hair. Any and, and are those all your final thoughts on the entire episode? Did we miss anything? Did we get everything? No, we talked about the old lady with no teeth. We talked about the I'm so proud of you. Uh, th- those were the big pieces that I wanted to talk about, other than the comedy stuff. All right. Oh, we didn't talk well, about Bruce Valanche. Oh, yes. Well, he said something. You know, he said something. I didn't remember this episode. He made the comment about Bianca that I've always said when he's giving her a compliment. He says she realizes. That if you make fun of yourself, it gives you the license to make fun of other people. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what is very smart about Bianca Del Rio. Yes. What were you going to say, Taylor? Just, I was wonder, curious, your thoughts on Bruce Valanche. So Bruce Valanche is one of these people who, if you spend any time in West Hollywood or the gay world in Los Angeles, you're going to see Bruce Valanche. 
And he's just as creepy looking in real life as he is on television. I don't understand it. I can't. Whenever I see him in person, I can't stop staring at him. Same thing with this Beverly Leslie. When I see them out in public, I can't stop staring at them. And I mean, I do love that he wore the shirt that said creepy uncle or something like that. You know, like your creepy uncle. I like Bruce Valanche. I don't know what it is. I like him. Oh, I yeah, I don't dislike him. And I I, th- I appreciate the fact that he kind of embraces the creepiness of him, mm-hmm. of himself. When he wears t-shirts like that and when he makes the comments that he does and everything, I it's it's just he's he's just so odd looking. He is very very strange looking. It it it, it you have to be funny to be that strange looking and a t- and a, and a personality like that. Yeah. How often do you see him? Once a year. Oh, really? And and mm-hmm. where do you normally do you see him just out and about or sometimes out and about, sometimes if you're at some sort of like gay like campy play. Like one time I went to go see um the one time I remember I was sitting right next to him was for um oh, I see him a lot at movies. Okay. You know? Uh but um what, the, I don't know why I remember this one, but when I went to go see uh Mommy Queerist, it's a drag version of Mommy Dearest. Uh, I saw him in the audience, and I often see him at movies. Okay, yeah, and, pe- and people will be, will be very excited. and They're all waving at him, and and do you think he gets laid? I was thinking about that. I'm sure he. I'm sure there is somebody out there that has blown Bruce really? Valanche, thinking it'll get his script through some studio. Oh God, I couldn't. <laughs> I couldn't. Could you, Taylor? No. If you had to have sex with Bruce Valanche or Beverly Leslie, who would you have sex with? Oh, Beverly Leslie, hands down. <laughs> Hands down, Beverly Leslie's just a, a nice-looking midget. <laughs> okay, would you let Beverly Leslie top you, or would you want to top Beverly Leslie? I'm assuming I would top Beverly Leslie. Okay, but what if Beverly Leslie went, no, I'm just a power top, and I just need to have me some of that Mexican booty? Honestly, that would be easier. Because <laughs> I don't have to get hard. That is true. Like she said, that voice is always there. Right. Stop talking about my voice. (laughs) (laughs) That voice is always, and that voice is always there. I've never heard one of you guys say that my voice is annoying. How how am I to know? I think the issue is, when we're all talking to you like this, we're talking to you. But I would say that more than 50% of the time, you put on the voice that Michelle was talking about. Mm. And I, I genuinely feel that that voice doesn't seem genuine. To me, it reads that it's something you're hiding behind. And it seems like it's a cry for attention. And it seems like you demand attention rather than command attention. And we know you're better than that. I just realized I can't see you if you want to stop. Yeah, I just sort of thought of that, too. That I just, I wanted to, I had, I had a couple of, of thoughts. Okay, go ahead. Um, I, I, th- this is another reason this particular clip is this this particular clip is part of the reason that I love Jocelyn as much as I do is mm-hmm. that you know Courtney referred to her earlier in the regular episode as she's crazy like a fox and this is when she made the statement of you are you know try to command attention instead of demand that's a very wise thing to say for somebody who kind of gets the edit of I'm just this silly little drag queen yeah you know I I think that's that's a very there there have been moments with Jocelyn, and I understand this is Laganja stuff, but it kind of goes back to Jocelyn that there are moments of where she is a lot smarter than I think that we all as the audience give her credit for. Mm-hmm. I agree with that, yeah. the person that you've created is too but much. you guys have told Ben to that 
See, the difference between Dayla and you is that Dayla puts on Dayla when she's Dayla. Yeah. You are that character in and out of drag, so you can't really tell if it's a, something that you're just doing or if that's your person. I agree, though, girl. I know you as, like, fierce Laganja. I know you as being, like, kind of competitive with your energy. And so when I'm around you and you kind of give a little pageant energy, like, even if we're, like, doing our makeup, it's very, like, mm. Hmm. I just had no idea it was this severe, and you've all talked about it, and I just, I feel so it, taken off guard. Don't think it like we're all talking behind your back, like, oh, I hate that voice. It just, it all is kind of affecting us individually, I think. At first, it totally put me off. Okay, a couple of things. One, I love how Trinity has gone from being totally self-doubting to, like, the new Oprah, <laughs> where she's, like, <laughs> spouting this sage wisdom to, you know, Laganja. But Laganja does a couple of things here that talk to you. you. You mentioned sad. And I would use a phrase with Laganja that I think there is a sadness to her, but I think it's related to almost an arrested development. And by that, I mean that there is clearly some emotional stunting on her part, which may be part of the sadness. And she shows that by doing two things. One, the conversation is about her and it's not a comfortable conversation. So she tries to turn it on to talking about Ben mm -hmm. instead of talking about her deflecting to Ben. And then she also does this very classic immature trope of, well, I just had no idea you all just felt this much about me. And I just, you know, I didn't realize <laughs> you were all speaking so much, you know, that kind of thing, which is very much a where everybody then does the whole no, no, that's not what we meant, that's not what we meant kind of thing. She did this in um, previous, she, she's done this in previous confrontations before where she kind of deflects and distracts mm -hmm. and plays the victim role. And it really is just sort of a way to gather whatever attention it is that she is trying to seek through her, through her behavior. That's all I have to say. What about you? I think I'm saving everything for when it goes really off the rails. So okay. far, I'm just saying, uh, yeah, right. I think you're saying great stuff. You should, I think people love hearing when, like, I'm not, I'm not going to assume people like to hear me say, talk about stand up comedy, but it's something I know a lot about. Mm -hmm. Whereas you know a lot about this shit and people love hearing this. Okay. So I, yeah, I don't have much to say here. I don't have much to add. But I'm sure when when shit just goes cray, I'm going to have stuff to say. You're going to hear my zipper unzip then. <laughs> yeah. It's a good thing that it was brought out because now we know and the whole world know why Laganja is the way she is. And then it's addressed. So you get a fresh start. We should have said something earlier, but it was said. So we're well, not. Well, thank you. I appreciate all of your honesty. I've tried to keep it 100%. And maybe you don't like it, and maybe you do. But this is who I am, and I'm not ashamed of that. Okay, so that's the end of part one. If any okay. thoughts there, Taylor? Uh, well, it's funny that Trinity says, okay, well, now we all know. <laughs> so we can start, yeah. start, start fresh, knowing that in 20 minutes she'll be gone. Um, but again, that whole... Well, okay. There was there was an episode a couple of seasons back of Project Runway All Stars. I'm going someplace with this, where a designer made something that Nina did not like at all. Did not like the color of it. Did not like the shape of it. All this kind of stuff. And at one point, while she, after she's done talking or she takes a breath, he says thank you, and she said that wasn't a compliment. To which he responded, "I didn't take it as one." And she kind of does this like, oh, that I kind of got the same feeling from who the hell are we talk about Laganja when 
she did the whole well thank you all for thank you all for your opinions i appreciate you that you know, that was kind of a fuck you i'm gonna keep doing what i'm doing but you all feel better for having said it and i get that they take the clip with with the, with the changing you know head bump it um from a different time but that kind of speaks to that whole we are completely oblivious to we are either oblivious or we recognize that we've made a fatal error in the character that we're trying to create and we are trying to recoup we are trying to kind of build back from that so we're doing this whole but i always talk like this forgetting that she has somebody who knows her from outside of this competition in a door who has said throughout the entire show, I don't get why she's talking like this. It makes no sense. This is not the person who I know. She even addresses that later on in the big meltdown in a few minutes. That this is this is not this is not who you are. So I I, th- I feel like this whole thing. She came into this with an agenda, as many of the queens do, and it just completely collapsed on itself. And we're seeing like the final implosion. I know this is not a good time to do this, but now I need to talk to Miss Laganja. It's time to clear the air. One of the few times I was in this room, Laganja had received a message from her family, and uh, I cracked some jokes, some other people laughed, and I apologized immediately. And then I had asked you, basically, were your parents against you because you were gay? And you said, no, not at all. They were absolutely loving parents. They just didn't like the drag thing. After that, you went on and complained and cried and said, I took away from you... 24 years of what you were waiting to hear and you did this amazing moment and I got to thinking after I left and after I apologized because I thought it was very sincere of me that it was a crock of shit because frankly you've been only doing drag for two years I believe that you've come into this competition with an act you came in, waterworks, woe is me, woe is me, woe is me and you're not even given a true story. So explain that to me. So I have a question for you. Yes. That I don't quite understand where this is. I, I get where this is coming from, but I don't get why after Jocelyn has this moment where she sees her fiance or her boyfriend or whatever, that it immediately goes into this conversation. Like there's no, the editing, the editing on this episode is weird. In that Mm -hmm. it goes immediately from where everybody is, you know, showing Jocelyn love, including Laganja. Laganja says a couple of really nice things to Jocelyn during this point. And then it immediately goes into this, I have something I have to say. It, it, it does, and it's not even that, it just kind of is this odd moment. So I'm wondering why, and if this has ever been discussed, why Bianca after this, at this particular moment? If I had a theory, no, I do have a theory. My theory is, if I had a guess, the producers told her to. Okay. Like, do you think the producers told her to? Because, okay, because that, that's a that's a good theory. I wonder if the producers told her because they knew Laganja was going home. So they figured they would have mm-hmm. this moment. But there is also something where she almost quotes the statement verbatim that Laganja said in the first or the second episode of Untucked. Whenever whenever the first, I've waited 24 years, and even though it's only been a matter of days versus weeks, it seems like a very specific, like to be able to quote that seems very specific to me. So, so I'm glad that you mm-hmm. kind of think the same way I do in that I'm wondering if this is something where the producer said, you know, Bianca, don't you think it's weird that Laganja said blah, 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 but 
I don't know if you know this or not, but Laganja's only been doing drag for two years. Do you think that's weird? Yeah. And then Bitsyamaka's like, huh. And then they're like, because I know during Mirror Moments, I, th- I don't remember who's talked about this. Is it Raven? But that there's producers under the table. They have ways of talking on the table saying, like, bring this up, bring this up. They're constantly coached yeah. on what to bring up. So I think Bianca was 1,000% coached. Okay. So that's what it seems like. Well, okay. And also the editing with this, with the long drawn out, with the crazy music of all, you know, the the, the <laughs> Japanese drums with the, you know, the sort of thing. And just the ton of reaction shots is, I mean, this episode is only like 20 minutes, 33 seconds. I mean, it's not a long episode. And I feel like, if they hadn't dragged out some of those looks, it would have been like a 16-minute episode. Now, did you pull all the Laganja stuff? I pulled all of the Laganja stuff. Really? So what? So what is the other 15 minutes or the so? The other 15 minutes is talking about uh, – j- the big chunk of it is Jocelyn. Mm-hmm. And there is a chunk in the beginning – I'm trying to – they're talking about something with Ben, where Ben is worried that Ben is going to go home. All right. Here we go. It's a little cheap of you to come for me when I'm already really down, but no surprise there. You know what? I don't know what you're experiencing. I only know what you tell me. And I'm not kicking you when you're down. You were making me feel like your parents never liked you because you were gay. And for that, I was like, I'm very sorry. That wasn't what I was intending to do. I'm simply saying maybe this is part of the reason why people start going, "Mm," not adding up, because it does come across as phony. It's just this heightened moment that you go into, click, I'm off. I think I have been 100% Jay, and I'm sorry that it's been annoying, and I'm sorry that you feel I've tried to be something that I'm not. When you've had conversations with me off camera, you're a very lovely person. I think I'm being me when I do things, and when I say things in a different voice, I have never noticed that I'm not being myself. That's why I'm saying this is the first time that you've all brought this to me, and if it, ha- well, go ahead and no, make I'm that listening. face. This is you're the not- face I got. Hit it, hit it, girl. Hit it, because you know what? If that's what you need to do to feel better about yourself, go for it. <sighs> okay, let's stop right there. Do you have anything to say there, Taylor? I Okay, again, going back to that Arrested Development, we're going to deflect and we're going to distract. I'm sorry you think I'm annoying. I'm sorry that you feel this way. I'm sorry that you feel that way. It, it just, a lot of this reads, and it's going to get, it's going to get heightened in a second. But it, a lot of it reads like you are talking to a 13-year-old girl, mm-hmm. a 13-year-old girl who is just now starting to learn emotional manipulations. And as somebody who used to talk like a 13-year-old girl who can manipulate people emotionally, I get <laughs> what I, I get what Laganja is doing. We're tr- we are somehow trying to deflect the attention and also turn it all on ourselves all at the same time mm-hmm. because we're just doing this. I don't understand. I talk like this to everybody. Why are you all being so mean to me all of a sudden? When there are people forget there's cameras there, so there are, there are constant conversations of why are you talking this way? That doesn't make any sense. And I, I think that. In Laganja's defense at this point, it's not really up to Bianca to tell her about herself, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. You know, I appreciate that, you know, Bianca, you know, Bianca says some things there that it doesn't feel necessarily like she's reading her. Mm-hmm. I mean, the one statement she goes, she goes, you and I have conversations off camera and you seem like a lovely person. Yeah. That that's not being, that's not something you say to somebody that's bitchy. That's like saying something that you want to help somebody. Mm-hmm. It's just it's 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 not necessarily. I feel like it's up to be. It's it's different when it's Trinity, okay? Because when Bianca talks to Trinity, 
Though I don't know that Trinity is necessarily asking for it either. I don't know. It, it, the, whole, the whole thing just feels like I don't get why it is Bianca that is bringing, feeling this need to help Laganja during this, if that makes sense. Yes, I don't know the answer to that. Oh, I didn't think you did. I just, I'm just kind of, it's a rhetorical question. Stop coming to me for answers, Taylor. <laughs> Moving on. Here we go. All right. I have a question. Are you aware of, like, the two kind of different personalities no. that we're talking about? No, Courtney. All right. This right now, that's the bitch that I know. I don't know, yes, mama. When I'm with my best friends, I say yes, mama. That ain't how you talk when I hang out with you when the cameras aren't here. And when Michelle calls it out, it made me fucking have the opportunity to bring it to your attention. I feel something was said on the main stage that we didn't Yes, I, I agree with that. This is them Barney and Friends, girl. Clearly. I think Laganja's got the message today. Loud and fucking clear, y'all. I got it. I got no, it from you. I got it from you. That's not what I, I am annoying. I am fake. Hold I'm not up. who I'm being. Hold I'm up, pretending bitch. to be somebody not I'm not. It. No, that's what I did not want to make it, Ganja. Well, how am I supposed to feel in this moment? Ganja, I didn't want to make it that everybody was attacking you. I feel very attacked. Relax. 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 I just thought I was going to be able to come in here and be who I am and have a heart and show that to people and have them respect that. But I don't know why I expected anything different. It's just like the human race. We all are just fucking evil. Whatever. At the end of the day, I'm probably going to lip sync and they're going to send my ass home and you can all have a good time and laugh about That's it. That's not what the fuck it's about, Relax. Gotcha. Relax. Relax. Take it down to a two. Taylor, any thoughts there? Um, I, I definitely, again, th- th- talking to a 13 year old girl, it's fine. It's fine. I'm annoying and everybody hates me and da, 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 which we're going to hear even more of in a moment. But that, that uh, to the point of where we become hysterical, I feel very attacked. I mean, you know, what's the, what's the best thing to do in that situation? When you let out a scream like that, everybody backs away immediately, but the Senate, but you are still the focus of the attention. Yeah. I wonder if when she says, that's the way when I spend time with my best friends, I'm all, yes, mama, yes, God. Mm-hmm. If over the course of this time, I mean, I know that she is part of House of Edwards. If it is more, not so much that she's like that with everybody, but as she became more involved in that drag house, if that, because, you know, Alyssa's kind of the same, though not to the extreme. But I wonder if that's really kind of like, you know, when you you start spending time with new friends and you kind of pick up some of their vernacular and you kind of pick up some of the way that. Yeah. I almost wonder if that's where this is coming from, where she's reinventing, like, you know, who Laganja is from where she started, even though I know Alyssa's the one that kind of got her started with that. But as she's gotten more and more in that world of Alyssa's world, if that's why she thinks that, well, this is just who I am because – they're all yes, mom, yes, God, <clears throat> all that kind of stuff. And that that's I'm, – I'm curious if that's a part of this. I think it's a part of – I feel it was very calculated. Like she thought she was going to do this character and people were just going to be super stoked on it. Well, it's, it's, if you think about it, again, going back to the, you know, the, the, the parallels between the, oh, my God, this is so funny, and the sitting under the table and the way that she – I mean, even when she came in and did the death drop and everything – I almost wonder if the thought is if she's coming in, she Alyssa was on season five. She watched Alyssa get really, really far. I wonder if her thought is, well, I can carry on Alyssa's, almost be Alyssa Edwards 2.0. Exactly. And that means that I have to ratchet up 
and be even more Alyssa than Alyssa is. And that is how we get this. Yes, mom. Yes, God. Death drop. Let's get twisted. You know, whatever the hell it is. So I'm wondering. But in a sick way, without her knowing it, it worked. She left an. She may not have won, but she left an impression. But I also feel like Alyssa left a more positive impression than Laganja. I know that there are people that love Laganja, but I feel like if you look at Alyssa and Alyssa's fan base, that, oh. I feel Alyssa evolved. I don't think the season five Alyssa is the same as All Stars two Alyssa. Alyssa. But I also feel like they Alyssa All Stars would have never gotten there had she not been as loved and as polarizing in some ways as she was on season five i don't i i wonder what laganja would do on an all-star season she she wants nothing to do with this stuff anymore but so she wouldn't do it but i wonder so what she, she would won't do. be on all-stars three no she was asked to be on all-stars two and she turned it down okay this is just too fucking much you broke me down i feel like shit i look stupid god this fucking sucks I'd like to leave. I'd love to leave. Can y'all get my fucking nail that fell off? Because I'm such a disaster. Send me fucking home. Done. I don't know if we handled that the best way. I just know I can do it, Mama. <laughs> okay, so uh, any final thoughts on Laganja Stranja? We hardly knew ya. Okay, well, uh, again, the same behavior, but also, I use the phrase take it to a two at least once a week <laughs> with people. <laughs> Something about that, take it to a two, it is so succinct in telling somebody to calm down, yet still respecting that they have the right to be a little crazy. Yeah. I, I have said it I've said it in this house numerous times. I will say that, but I have also said it. Wait, no, 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 not take it in the number two, Taylor. No, <laughs> bitch. No, it's he might be saying that to me. Hey, yes, mom, God, yes, <laughs> okay, okay. Um, and also watching this with Babalu because we talked about that last week. That he, because unfortunately during the coming up on Untuck, they show a lot of the moments, but he kept going the, wait, is, is there going to be a fight? Is there, I'm just like, just, oh my God, just watch it. Just watch it. And the last moment with Courtney where she says, we probably could have handled that better. He did laugh really, really hard. That is, that is a classic pin on a classic moment in Drag Race history. I love it. I love it. Your toy, your uh... Your tone is very pointed right now. <laughs> That's another great one. That's another great one. Well, that concludes this week's episode of RuPaul's Drag Race Recap. Wait Join a us. Did you, do you have any comments? Did you have any uh, thoughts? No, I think you really nailed it. All right. I, I, I mean, also, I think I blew my load early on Laganja. I mean, there's so much, so much we can say about Laganja. I know. Well, that concludes. Did you? Oh, by the way, did you notice the little button at the end when it did when it did the World of Wonder logo and it went okay? Yes, I did notice that. That was very cute. All right. Well, that concludes this week's episode of RuPaul's Drag Race Recap. Join us next week and every week as we dissect, discuss, and deconstruct each episode during this very special season of RuPaul's Drag Race Recap. So, for Taylor the Latte Boy and myself. 
Sashay away until next week. RuPaul's Drag Race Recap is an Afterthought Media podcast. To learn more about Afterthought Media, visit afterthought.media. To support us on Patreon and to gain access to our other shows, please visit us at patreon.com slash dragracerecap. For a small monthly fee, you gain access to hours of bonus content weekly, frequent live shows, and access to our extensive back catalog. To contact the show, email us at dragracerecap at gmail.com. Follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at dragracerecap, and follow the show on Facebook at facebook.com slash dragracerecap. You can find Tame of the Latte Boy on his other podcast called Pod Is My Copilot, available at podismycopilot.com and everywhere you get your podcasts. You can also follow Taylor on Twitter at P-I-M-C Taylor and on Instagram at P-I-M-C Taylor. Joe Batanz is the host of many other podcasts and you can find those podcasts at afterthought.media or at patreon.com slash dragracerecap. You can follow Joe Batanz on Twitter and Instagram at Joe Batanz, that's J-O-E-B-E-T-A-N-C-E. This episode was recorded in the summer or fall of 2017 and originally released on Patreon.